I don't know where you are today on the happy meter, but I know this, that when you and I understand that all authority has been given to Christ, that nothing can take that away from him, there is no one greater than my King Jesus, that all authority has been given to him, and he's going to be with you and I, the true believer, to the end of the age. What can man do to us? Amen? Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, I come before you today with an immensely heavy heart. Lord, I simply ask for your help. I can't do this, but you can. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move in this place today. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to You and only You, my Lord, my Rock, and my Redeemer. Move me out of the way, Father. I pray all that we see is You. Holy Spirit, I pray that I would decrease and that You through Christ would increase. Holy Spirit, I pray that Your glory would rise above us and above me in particularly. Father, we pray that You'd protect us from the schemes of the enemy. Father, we pray You'd reveal truth. Protect us from his lies and deceptions. And God, may you be glorified. Lord, I confess I'm weak today. But as I was reading here these past few days, you reminded me that when we are weak, you are strong. So, Father, have your way. And to you be all the praise and glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Acts chapter 1, looking at verses 1 through 8, the title of the message is a question. And the question is this, do you have the power? The question is, Do you have the power? It's somewhat of a odd question for the true believer because the true believer is right now deductively going to a rightful response saying, well, of course I don't have the power. 
The power is through Christ. The power is through the Holy Spirit, which are all true statements, which we cling to. We hang our hat on those realities. But as we're going to open the Scriptures today in Acts chapter 1, 1 through 8, I want us to think about that thought, do we have the power? Because we're going to see very clearly what the Bible says about that question. And so here as we dive deep into this together, this is the promise of the Holy Spirit as we look to see what the church, the original church looked like. What did they do? How were they modeled? What did they focus on? Well, here's what the Word of God says as we read verse by verse, word by word. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, remember Luke's writing here, the physician, the companion of Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. So his first book was the Gospel of Luke is what he's referring to. Oh, Theophilus means friend of God. Thea, God. Phyllis, friend, friend of God. Until the day when he was taken up. Now, marinate on that because next week we're going to deal with Jesus being taken up. After he'd given commands, not suggestions. Now here's what the key is. Don't miss this church. Through what church? Say it out loud. Through the Holy Spirit. So you need to get used to something. We've got a whole bunch of sledding to do spiritually, and you're going to hear Holy Spirit going forward for a long time as we just unpack the Scriptures. To the apostles whom He had chosen. Now look at verse 3. He presented Himself, what church? Say it out loud. Alive, not dead. To them after His suffering. Make a note of that. By many proofs. There were so many proofs that He's alive. Appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. That's the focus. Not our kingdom come, but God, your kingdom come. Now, verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Wait. Just wait. Wait. Waiting is always work to the flesh. Waiting for the true believer is worship to God. And waiting on God will always be worth it in the end. He says, wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you've heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's referring to the day of Pentecost, which we're going to study. Not many days from now, then verse 6. So when they had come together, there's a koinonia, they're assembling together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? See, they're still focused on the wrong things. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go overthrow the Romans right now. But I'm going to do something pretty cool in verse 9 that's going to blow your minds which we'll see next week. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. Jesus is saying, look, my second coming, 
You don't need to know about it. Just be faithful, be obedient to the call while you're there. That the Father is fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power. Here it is. Here's our answer to our question. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Pause here for a moment as we dive into one verse this morning, verse 8. These right here, church, verse 8, these are the last words that Jesus spoke on this earth. He's getting ready to exit in verse 9. As you're looking in your Bible, you're peeking ahead, that's okay, and you're seeing that He's going to ascend. And the last thing He tells them is this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. When someone who's really important to you says something for the final time to you, what do you typically do with those words? Prayerfully, you and I, we catalog them, we treasure them. It's so important. Church, don't miss this. Jesus is giving a charge here. He's saying, look, I want to let you know what you're signing up for. You're signing up for power, but you're also signing up for suffering. And that's exactly what he's telling them. Right here in the front part of this verse 8, look at this for a moment together. He says this, we'll call it 8a. He says, but you, to those disciples, make it personal to you as a believer in Jesus, but you will receive power. Now, this is very key here. As you're taking your notes, write these things down. The word receive in the original means this, to seize, to take hold of, to take possession of, to weld to, to rivet to, to apprehend and not let go. So when Jesus is looking at them and He's saying, look, here's what I want you to do, you are going to apprehend by the power of the Holy Spirit this dunamis, this dynamite, and never let it go. I wonder how many people across our country today profess the name of Jesus but are living powerless lives. Prayers are hitting the ceiling. They're not seeing any movement of the Lord because they're not well with the Lord. Just the world has taken over. The world has just inundated their hearts and their minds and their souls. Right here, Jesus is saying, you're going to receive this. Make sure you take hold of it. See, here's the reality. I can give something to my grandson. I can hand him something. But as he showed me just the other day, he can not receive it. What is the Lord today trying to give to you? 
to pour into you and me and say, I'm trying to give this to you. I'm trying to show this to you. I'm trying to lead you in this way. And so often because our minds are so set on whatever's going on that we're totally distracted, we're totally discombobulated, we completely miss the voice of the Lord as we're listening to the voice of self and the voice of others. And what happens is we get duped, seduced, and tricked, and Jesus is saying, I'm trying to give you something. You know, it's interesting in that phrase there, look in your Bible in 8a, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Power. I alluded to it earlier. It's dunamis is the, is the Greek word. It's where we get our English word dynamite. So I hope you're kind of putting this all together. Take all these pieces of this puzzle. And so here Jesus is. Luke's writing this account. He's a physician, so he's very detailed. He's been on this road. He's seen Christ do His thing in person. And right here he's saying, you're going to receive, take hold of, apprehend prayerfully, this power that the Holy Spirit, holy, set apart, not tainted, spirit, pneuma, wind, that's going to blow through, that we're going to see this wild stuff as they surrender everything to Him and they, they just let go of self and they say, God, I want You to have Your way and I want You to do the work in my life. And as they band together, great things are accomplished. Miracles happen. And I don't know about you, but I believe that God is still in the miracle business. You're going to remember this, church. God's been reminding me of this, that even though it's dark, the dawn of the day is coming. And here I believe without any reservation that he says, look, wait a minute. You're going to receive this power to advance the gospel. And that's the whole key on this. He's not giving them power to do tricks. He's not giving them power to show off self. He's not giving them power to make a name for themselves. He's giving them this power, as we're going to see in just a moment, for one overarching reason, and that's to advance the gospel, to storm the gates of hell, to be a believer in Jesus Christ that is so changed from the inside out that as you and I are transformed, sanctified day by day, moment by moment, that we will have one mission. Our eyes open every morning. We go, they're open, and we say, Lord, I'm submitting to you. I'm surrendered to you. And as you and I live that well life, being well with the Lord, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a change in you, a change in me that we're fully on God's page. And our aim is one thing while we're here on this earth. The aim is not for me and you to get what we want. The aim is for you and me to surrender everything to Christ so that he gets what he wants. I know how that's a challenge in this American culture. Holy Spirit, third person of the triune God, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. And here's the last phrase before we go to key number one. Listen closely. Here's what it says in the Bible. Has come upon you. Now this is very, very mission critical. You, you don't miss this. If you miss this, you're in trouble. Here's what it means. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit has come upon you, as Jesus is speaking here, it means this, that the Holy Spirit indwells you. 
it actually means this in the original language, that the Holy Spirit takes control of you. So think through that for just a moment. For the true believer in Christ, if it's real, if it's true, the Holy Spirit does, doesn't just like rent a room. Here's a closet, why don't you go hang out over here? No, He actually takes over your life. There's nothing spooky about the Holy Spirit. So often we hear Holy Spirit and we think, you know, running around the room, cartwheels, jumping out of balconies, whatever. That, that's not what's going on here. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God. He's part of the Godhead. If you believe in God, if you believe in Jesus, you must believe in the Holy Spirit. And He is part of that triune God that through it, I can't understand it, I, don't, I can't explain it. It's way beyond my pay grade. Somehow it works. I believe it, I trust it. Because the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells and He encourages, He rebukes, He guides, He gives comfort. All these things He does for the true believer. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you got to understand this, that if it's really real in my life and your life, He's just not going to sit there on a bleacher bench and watch the show. He's actually going to direct the show. That's why key number one is so important. And here it is. Key number one. In order to walk in spiritual power, a person must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and not quench nor grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. Key number one. In order to walk in spiritual power, a person must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and not quench nor grieve the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I, I need to be well with the Lord. Maybe you're here today going, you know what, truth be told, I'm not well. In order to be well with the Lord, this is going to be a major component in my life and your life that we would say, you know what, I want to make sure that it's real in my life and that He's in control of my life. If I'm telling the Holy Spirit what to do, if you're telling the Holy Spirit what to do, here's what's happening. We are quenching and grieving Him working in our lives. And I know this, we don't want to quench nor grieve the Holy Spirit. Those are not good things for a family, for an individual, for a church. Those are horrible things. We want to be so well with the Lord that in order to walk in that spiritual power, which they did then and I believe we can do now based on Scripture, we must be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Write down these verses, Romans chapter 8, 9 through 11. Write these down, Romans 8, 9 through 11. Paul writes here in Romans, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, Holy Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. There it is. Let me read this one more time. This is the beauty of Scripture. You just connect all the dots. Romans 8, 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit, capital S, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. If He's in you and if He takes control of your life, it's real. Anyone, he goes on and says this, who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. It's frightening. I mean, if that is not frightening to anyone, I mean, that terrifies me. Let me read this one more time. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, church, help me, say it out loud, dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life, spiritual life, to your mortal bodies that are going to die through the Spirit who, help me church, dwells in you. This is so important. Like This is mission critical. And the enemy, the enemy will just ratchet and ratchet and ratchet. You'll take this little conversation and this little email and, and stuff that's half truth here and half truth there, and boom, off the cliff, making spiritual decisions that will just impact people forever. We must be on our guard. That's why Ephesians chapter 1 says it like this 13 through 14. Ephesians 1 13 through 14. In him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, which is what? Well, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. Remember, belief is just not intellectual. It's intellectual, it's emotional, but there's an act of the will that gets so stirred by the power of the Holy Spirit that as John 6, says, not on the screens, but it says this, that, that those can only come to Christ only through what? As He draws, as the Father woos and stirs to remove the blinders and the scales. Every true believer has somewhat of an Acts 9 moment on a Damascus road where the scales fall. And right here in Ephesians, you see this so clearly that you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Did you see that? The true believer who has the Holy Spirit indwelling, and here we are going back to the first church in Acts. He's saying, saying, look, look, it's so real that it's evident. And the way that you and I know that good fruit is actually good fruit is not by seeing good fruit on the surface, but good fruit always remains good fruit. If the fruit that you thought was good starts to stink, Cliff notes, it's not good fruit. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Sealed. Don't you love that for the true believer? that you are sealed. If you're true today in Christ, you are sealed for the day of redemption. There's nothing. There's nothing. The Bible says this, that Jesus says, these are my sheep and no one can take them out of my hand. When it's true, when it's real, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. 
That's just awesome. That's why in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, it says this, but I say walk by the, church help me, Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you're here today and you're struggling, jealousy, uh, envy, selfishness, bitterness, resentment, uh, maybe that's just the, like where it's starting. Right there it is, the formula. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. It means this, you will not feed. When we give in to listening to things that we don't actually know are true, we are actually feeding and fueling the flesh. It's almost like we're taking a can of gasoline going, well, this is what I heard, so... No, we must walk by the Spirit, for the desires of the flesh, 17, are against the Spirit. So this is something we've talked about often, but when you have light and darkness, holiness and deception, they hate each other. God says that for those that are prideful, that I oppose you, is what God says. So here's what He's doing. He's saying, I'm going to war, going to war. And you and I know this, that if you go to war against God and I go to war against God, we're all losing. Here, right here in Galatians, it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you, here it is, here's the why, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And lastly, Matthew 28 Verses 18 through 20, some call this the Great Commission. I always argue that so many think it's the Great Suggestion. And Jesus came and He said to them, listen very closely, listen to these bookends. I love this. Listen to these bookends. Jesus, He comes to them and says, hey, disciples, I got news for you. All authority. How much authority, church? All. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is so cool. Pause there for just a moment. Man, if you're in for Christ, you may be taking a beating. I don't know what's going on in your life. Here's the deal. All authority has been given to Jesus. I know whose team I want to be on. Amen? All authority has been given to Him. Therefore, what happens? Well, He says, go. Go. And the original actually is an assumptive. It really is translated probably better. There's some argument here, but I believe we could deductively in the Greek argue this, that we could say as you were going. It's an assumption. Hey, think about it. If you're really saved, you don't need to kind of have a pep rally to go tell people about what saved you. Amen? Hey, hey I got cured from cancer. Boy, I just don't want to tell anybody about this. It'd be nuts, Right? We've been cured from spiritual cancer if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ. The greatest disease that's ever hit this earth is called sin. Jesus Christ stands in the gap. He stands in our stead. He brings us to God's. And it blows my mind over the years how many people that profess that saving faith have never told a single person how that happened. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the, help me church, 
Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all that I have commanded, not suggested. And behold, here's the other bookend. And behold, I am with you. How often, church? Always to the end of the age. Don't you love this? This is so good. It's the Great Commission. Here it is. Jesus says, look, here's what we're going to do, guys. Everyone gather around, sit together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go charge the gates of hell, and the mission is this. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to share our glory story to everyone we know. We're going to make disciples. We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And don't forget, he says, don't forget, I got all authority, and I'm going to be with you forever. Like, I don't know where you are today on the happy meter, but I know this, that when you and I understand that all authority has been given to Christ that nothing can take that away from him. There is no one greater than my King Jesus, that all authority has been given to him, and he's going to be with you and I, the true believer, to the end of the age. What can man do to us? Amen? What a glorious reminder. Question, though, are you willing to adjust your life to God's standards? Am I and are you, are we willing to adjust our lives to God's standards? Not to the world, not to self, but to God's. Well, what will be the result when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? We'll look at 8b, the final section here. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this is where the heavy lifting gets in, because we'd like to have the power. Everyone votes, yes, count me in for the power. Who's speaking here, do we remember? Jesus. Final words, check. Important words, check. He says, you're going to have power. We all go, ooh, this is going to be amazing. And then he says this phrase, <laughs> and you will be my witnesses. It's the word martus. It's where we get our English word, you guessed it, martyrs. I love the power, but I don't want to die. It actually means this, one who dies for their faith. Let me say something here. I don't know what the Lord has planned for your life or my life. you may die physically for your faith. It may come to that, even here in America. I don't know what's going to happen in the coming days. I know things are getting really bad. But I will assure you and I this. According to Scripture, if you're really going to come to Jesus, you will die to self. There's no way around it. Can't do it can't drag self to the altar with Jesus and go, hey, Jesus, I love everything you're asking of me, but I really want to keep me in this equation. He's like, nope, not going to happen. But let's go back for a moment. Let's hypothetically say that, that you die for your faith physically, hypothetically. Church, you understand this? That's not a travesty. That's not a travesty. The travesty is this, for people that profess Christ, hang on to self, 
and continue to live a self-filled life, the me monster has taken over, the enemy of self, planet me, planet universe. That's the tragedy. And you will be my witnesses. He's warned us. There it is. There's going to be a crucifying of the flesh. For every true believer, if you're going to be well with the Lord, talking well, communion with Him, intimacy with Him, that there's going to be some time in your life where it's not I but Christ is going to be more than a bumper sticker. That's why key number two goes like this. A true disciple of Jesus understands and embraces that the cost of being a fully devoted follower of Christ and not just a fan will be extremely high. Key number two, write it down. A true disciple of Jesus understands and embraces that the cost of being a fully devoted follower of Christ and not just a fan will be extremely high. Did you read where he's sending these guys? This is wild. Look in your Bible here. 8B is in boy. You will be my witnesses. You will be my martus, my martyrs. Physically, perhaps. Which, well, that played out interestingly in their lives. In where? In Jerusalem. He's like, look, I'm going to send you guys exactly back to where I was executed. Sounds like a blast, doesn't it? And to Judea, that whole region, and Samaria where they hate the Jews, and to the other ends of the earth, do you see the call of the gospel on our lives? Church, you've got to understand this, that the fight of faith, the call of faith, is truly a fight and not a fashion show. This stuff is real, it's intense, we don't battle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 10 and following, not on the screens, would tell us this, but we battle against the principalities, the evil darkness around us. And when truth is proclaimed, the enemy hates it. The enemy will do everything he can to discredit, to distort, to twist, to deceive. And as we're going to study in Acts, you're going to see all of that play out in the book of Acts. Think about Noah for a moment. Noah. <laughs> Must have been easy building that boat for all those years, having people laugh at him. What about Isaiah? Church history tells us, and we can even look in Scripture and deduct that he was sawn in two for his faith. Daniel in the lion's den. <laughs> There's Daniel. And he was put to the test. He was, he was put on trial for his faith. He says, oh Lord, here's your servant. Be attentive. Be attentive to your servant in this place. And he says, oh no, throw me in the den. No, 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 no. I'm not bending. I'm not buckling. I'm not breaking. Throw me with the lions. And isn't it interesting how the lion of the tribe of Judah rescued him? Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There they are, and old Nebuchadnezzar, old Neb says, look, you better bow down to this. They say, uh-uh, not happening. Not on our watch, it's not. They said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, Nebuchadnezzar. 
Let me tell you something, Nebuchadnezzar. We believe that our God is able. We believe that our God is able to deliver us from what you're going to do to us in this fiery furnace. But Neb, take note of this. Even if our God decides not to pull us out of the fiery furnace, there is no way we're bowing down to your idol. That's bold. They suffered. The disciples, we could go on and on. Stephen, full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and there he is being executed because he's standing for truth. David, old David, got to remember King David, right? He, he brings a pile of rocks to a sword fight. That's a great strategy, isn't it? Paul, beheaded at Nero's hand, all for standing for the truth. And then the greatest example of all is Jesus himself. No sin was found within him. And yet the darkness hated him so much that he willingly is executed on a cruel Roman cross. Devoted follower, not a fair weather fan. It's way too easy just to be a fair weather fan in the Christian faith. God's looking for devoted followers that will count everything else as loss, that will lay everything on the line. You say, how do you know? Well, write down 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Paul writes here to young Timothy, and he says, indeed, listen up, as he's saying, listen up. All, not some, all who desire, all who want to live a godly life, a holy life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, will be mistreated. There it is. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, Philippians 1, 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. I, I read that and I go, wow. Let me read that one more time. Philippians 1, 29, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, which is a good thing, but also suffer for his sake. It's so interesting that that word granted is the Greek word charis. It's grace. It's unmerited favor. So here's what's happening. Paul's writing there, and you got to remember he's writing there, and he's writing from prison there. And right before it, if you were to go up in the text there in chapter 1, he says this, that my chains are in Christ. He says, paraphrasing, he's saying, look, here's the deal. Don't worry about me. The advancement of the gospel has actually happened because I'm in prison. He says, the whole praetorium guard, which is upwards of 10,000 soldiers, has heard about this Jesus who is called the Christ because he's in prison. See, he's willing to boldly speak truth. He's willing to boldly be persecuted and mistreated. And somehow in all of that, God works mystery as he goes, I'm going to give you grace to believe, and I'm going to give you grace to suffer. He's like, here, I'm going to give you a big bag of suffering. Oh, what a great reminder that the Holy Spirit reminds us of through Paul. Because then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, we studied this a time ago, but it says this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. And then he says this, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I love that. Let me read that again. First Peter 3.14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, 
you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. I was thinking about that key number two. Let me read it one more time. A true disciple of Jesus understands and embraces that the cost of being a fully devoted follower of Christ and not just a fan will be extremely high. And as I read that, I couldn't help but think of 1 Peter chapter 4 this time. 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. And he writes, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised. Don't think it's strange at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. It means this, to prove that what you are saying is real, to prove that your faith is real. That's the test. It proves that whether it's true or false, as though something strange were happening to you. What a crazy statement. As though something strange were happening to you. Look at 13. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Help me, church, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Question, when people see me and people see you, do they see that you have the power? Do they look at you? Do they walk away from a conversation with you and I and go, wow, that person's not perfect. They're struggling. But I know this, the Holy Spirit indwells them. Do they walk away? Because church, this is exactly what Jesus is describing. But He says, look, I'm going away. I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to leave you someone to help you, to comfort you and guide you, and to convict you and to encourage you. His name's the Holy Spirit. And as I leave Him with you, I'm going to leave you with power that's dynamite, that miracles can be done, that miracle upon miracle, that God can do miracles. And I believe He is in the miracle business because I know this, every morning we wake up, it's a miracle. But I believe greater things are yet to be done. But it will only happen as we walk by faith and not by sight, and as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we come before you today. Oh, Father, I pray that you would stir in this time. Father, this phrase has been ringing in my ears all week long, but I ask it out loud, both to myself and to each person that's listening. Are we truly well with the Lord? Father, if we answer no, I pray there'd be a deep desire and hunger and thirst to be well with You. Father, there's only one way that it can be well with our soul, and that's through true surrender to Your Son, Jesus. Father, You reminded me recently that the key to having Your strength is through abiding in Your Word and abiding in Your presence.
Oh, Holy Spirit, will you move in this time? Move in this place, God. Begin to do things in this place that can only be described as a mighty move of you. For those that have never given their life to you, God, I pray today will be that day. Move in their lives. Lord, whatever you want us to do, may you find us pleasing to you. May you find us obedient. May you find us faithful. God, we give you the glory. Not unto us, not unto us, but to your name we give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.